Maybe it's about, hey, I'm going to continue to do as good as I can and control the things that I can and not focus so much on implementing something new or trying to get too crazy with you know, marketing in some place different. Maybe all you need to do is a little bit of blocking and tackling as best as you possibly can. This is To The Point. A Rhino Experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Happy New Year to the point listeners. It is 2024. Can you believe it? Man, I hope you're as excited to tackle this year as I am. Maybe you're nervous about this year. I don't know. But you got to be prepared to do something different this year. Maybe what got you to where you are now is not going to get you to where you want to go in 2024. So with this podcast, I thought, you know what? Why not share some of the best advice we got from 2023 to help give you a little send off to 2024. So we want to go ahead and compile a, a few clips together of, of some of my favorite I think, clips that we've, uh, that we've found or that we've heard over 2023 of, with some amazing guests. And, and maybe it'll inspire you to uh, to do something with one of their uh, one of their pieces of advice. So enjoy this podcast and let it be your guide to success in 2024. Okay, this first clip is with my dear friend Ken Goodrich, and it, and I think this is the perfect one to kick it off because it's talking about worrying. And you know, and I you guys have heard me say this you know time and time again that. A lot of times we worry about you know, 90% of the shit that never happens. And you'll hear me say it again in this clip. It's so true. Well, what a better one to kick off this year. Stop worrying about what you can't control. And let's worry about what you can control. All right? So Goodrich has been through this multiple times. And you'll say, well, he's a big contractor. Well, he wasn't always that way. He also bought a lot of failing businesses and had to make them work. He's been through trying times too. But one thing he chooses not to do is focus on the things that he cannot control. And regardless of the size of your business, you need to do the same. So enjoy this clip with my man, KG. So, so here's what I want to do. Um, one is, uh, <laughs> I hate that you dangled the carrot in front of me about this new business venture and you're not telling me that bugs me. Um, because now I'm just eager to, to know what it, what it is and I'm sure it's going to be great. And then when I find out, then I can start asking questions. But when you say like, when you say that you're not worried um, I really want to dig into that for just a second, because uh, I think that is a very important thing for our listeners to hear, because a lot of times we worry about 90% of the shit that never happens. You just wasted so much time worrying about these things. I have this conversation with like somebody who has, you know, anxiety has to carry that sucky feeling around with them. And there's ways to, to work through that. But business can give you so much anxiety, especially when you're leading businesses with the people or you're the one responsible for it, or if you're getting into financial problems or whatever, it can give you all this anxiety. But it's not going to help you get out of the situation. So you got to like shift that focus and focus on the things that you can fix. But you know, people think like, well, the, what, you know, what fixes it is sales. Sales will fix the problem. This isn't a situation where sales could help and help, but you need to focus on the actual business. Why would, why are you not worried? Why are you not worried? Or why should, why should these contractors who are smaller, even listening to the podcast, why should they not be worried? Well, I mean, experience, right? So I've been through challenges uh, several times in my career. In 2008, I had sold some companies that I had to ARS, and I, um, and I, part of the deal I had an earnout. And if you recall, 08, 09, and 10 were difficult years yep. to do anything business at all. 
And so my earnout was based on the uh, the growth that I provided during those three years. And, you know, we just dug into the details. You know, we had three days a week uh, metric calls with the managers and we were drilling into every opportunity, sharing best practices, cut here, cut here, say this, don't do that. Here's opportunities here. Here's other marketing opportunities, for instance. And we just we just took it. You know, we took the market. We, uh, you know, when everyone else was contracted on advertising, I went full throttle. Yep. You know, we just uh, became the brand. In Vegas, I, I built a company called Yes, Yes Air Conditioning Plumbing, and uh, I guess they're electrical now, but uh, um, we just full throttled in Vegas and just grew at a 30% KGAR between 8, 9, and 10 and so I still think the opportunities out there, you know, we have more sophisticated competition than more than ever, but it's not, uh, you know, there's nobody taken, you know, taking our lunch. Right. So <clears throat> drill in and go, put your head down and go to work and go get it. KG always bringing the fire. So the, Hey, this next clip though, it was a fun one. This, this particular episode I got to record in studio with the guests and all as, uh, as well as a couple of my buddies, Mr. Aaron Gaynor and Chad Peterman co-hosting the, with me with Mr. Brad Bacon down in, uh, in Texas. And I love his podcast because he's such a genuine dude and he doesn't think he's accomplished much, even though he's accomplished a lot and he has a really great business down there in a very, very difficult market and he's super successful with it. But I mean, you would never know if you talked to him that he has success as much success as, as he had. But, but this episode aired, you know, that we aired with it showed that off for him and I'm grateful to be able to do that. And one thing that he hit on this message, I think I want you all to listen to, uh, especially if you're thinking, Hey, you know, I, I'm not as smart as some of these guys, or I don't have as much business savvy as some of these guys I'm competing against. And, and Brad's advice I thought was was fantastic and is applicable to to everybody. Now you've heard the term "work smarter, not harder." Well, he recoined it, and uh, and you know what? I'm just gonna let him tell you himself. For me, uh, the the macro thing was big. So he was a keynote speaker there. Uh, really, really big about trying to bring you know people into the trades. That's important. Uh, you know, talking about how call. You know, a lot of people are pushing. You know younger people towards college, they're broke. Uh, they'll never pay those debts off. And, uh, the trades is, the trades is a great place for people that may not have the money to go get educated or, or whatnot. Guys like me, uh, to be able to come in there and if you're willing to, you know, work and figure it out, you can, you can be successful. So that what I took away from that, it's going to sound really stupid, but he, they had, you know, you've heard the term, the work smarter, not harder, harder. So uh, I came up with my own term, uh, not smarter, work harder. <laughs> so that, that's trademark. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my takeaway. That That's what I want for all my guys. I mean, there a lot of these guys, a lot of these plumbers, electricians, electricians tend to be a little more smarter than plumbers, uh, you know. Uh, hey, H man, I take offense to that. Yeah. <laughs> HVAC guys, you know, they're a little different, but uh, they're all good people. I think the big deal is is uh, is just knowing that guys that, that don't have the education or didn't, you know, whatever, they were just a screwed-up kid like me and, and college wasn't in the cards. I think that's uh, that's a big miss is, uh, is the trades. They take, you know, they're taking it out of schools. Uh, it's just, you know, they're, they're not trying to – they're not, they're trying to create debt, not trying to, you know, get people out of debt. And I think that's a big miss. 
Everybody loves bacon. And now you see why. Just a good dude, a simple man. But man, I really loved having that podcast with him. And, and oh, and sometimes listen, work harder. Try to be as smart as you can. Leverage other people. Your leverage relationships. Leverage your groups if you have to of your peer groups. But don't be afraid to work harder. So the next episode, uh, the clip that I'm going to play is with Keith Mercurio. This guy always challenges me to like think deep. And I really, really have to listen when he talks to every single word because I always feel like he's setting me up for something. But really what he's doing is just challenging me to be a better listener. Do you need to be a better listener? I don't mean like podcast listener because you're listening and I appreciate you for that. And don't forget to leave a review. But influential listening. Um, How can you listen better to be better for yourself and for your employees. That's not as easy as it sounds. I'm going to go ahead and let Mr. Keith Mercurio share with you his thoughts on being a really, really good intentional listener. Okay, so why is this called influential listening? Like, what is the, where, where does that term come from? And the premise is that, that the final point of, of how to listen influentially is to listen with the courage to risk being influenced by the speaker. So typically when we enter into these conversations, we've got our mind made up and we don't have the courage to explore the possibility that we were wrong or we didn't have all the information or that we might change our mind. And so the reason it's called influential listening isn't about your ability to influence others, but it's actually about your willingness to give influential power to the speaker and to have the courage to let them change your mind. And to be willing to say, you know what, I, I wasn't completely there or I didn't have all the information or this. Wow, this really does. And, and think about the incredible gift and think about how beautiful it is. You've done this for me many times. And and, you know, it's like it's an honor every time when you say something like, wow, you know what? I never thought of that, man. That's a really great point. Like, I'm going to do this differently now when somebody actually listens to us and changes their mind and expresses that it's changed their mind again genuinely it's one of the most incredible gifts we can give to another person or we, we in this context it's one of the most incredible gifts we can receive as somebody doing that and it's one of the most incredible gifts we can give as a listener is to say what you just said changed my way of thinking what you just said helped me see that i was wrong about something that is such an absolutely gorgeous way to go through life as a human being but it takes a ton of courage because our ego is so attached to already knowing Okay, listeners, I'm going to ask you, did you listen intentionally to Keith Mercurio? Do you recall what he said? Did it even make sense to you what he said? Basically, just be a really thoughtful listener and make sure that you're listening to understand and not listening to just respond. Super important. Uh, Makes people know that you really care about them when you actually listen to them. So next episode, man, I love this dude. Paul Kelly, it was actually Paul Kelly and Josh Kelly at Rhino X 2023. And they did a presentation around ice cream flavors. And I was trying to figure out what in the hell does ice cream have to do with the trades? You know, and I don't know about you, my favorite uh, ice cream, uh, this is going to be so lame, is actually vanilla. Um, I love vanilla ice cream. Um, my, some people might think, Chris, you seem like a Rocky Road guy or, uh, or maybe a, a swirl. And I do love me some good swirl. Um, But I was saying, man, how in the hell does ice cream play into the trades? And and what is this presentation going to be about? And then when they wrapped it all up, I was like, ah, that makes perfect sense. What flavor of ice cream do you love, listener? Is it strawberry? Is it chocolate? Is it vanilla? Is it butterscotch? Is it raspberry sorbet? It's not ice cream. It's a sorbet. But you get what I mean. 
But let's figure out what in the hell these guys meant about ice cream and how does that define who you are and how you perceive uh, maybe your business, your leadership, yourself in the trades. Take it away, PK. Why are there so many ice cream flavors? Huh? Did you come in here asking that question? No. 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 But we're going to cover why there's so many ice cream flavors. And we're going to tie it into your business and your life, maybe. And we're going to give you something that I hope you walk away from and you say, wow, that's, uh, that's quite, you know, because we wanted something that would wow you. We wanted something that in the end you would say, the hell with Nelly, we want more Kelly. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so... There are so many ice cream flavors. There's thousands of flavors. You want to go into why there's so many ice cream flavors real quick? There's what? Why there's so many ice cream flavors. What The theory between why? I could do it. Yeah, go ahead. So when we were talking about this, and it was a joke to start, but then we really started thinking about it, right? And we was like, well, because people like choice. They want something to custom that speaks to them. And we went through this... 20-minute conversation about why there actually are so many ice cream flavors, and we came to a conclusion. Although there's thousands of ice cream flavors, there are only three that actually matter. There's chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. They dominate the market. These are the ice cream flavors that are absolutely everywhere. In fact, many places that make chocolate, like if you go to Wendy's or McDonald's, it's vanilla ice cream with chocolate flavoring. So even though there's thousands of ice cream flavors, there's only three that actually drive a lot of revenue. Does this make sense? Yes? So why is ice cream dominated by just three flavors? Well, it's, it's really about simplicity, right? Simplicity is the key to everything. So, and it's the key in your business as well. Where am I supposed click, to be pointing this, click. Chris? Yeah, oh, there we go, sorry. So it has very few ingredients, right? The ingredients in what you roll out in your business, the more simple that you can make it, the, more it, the easier it is to implement, right? The more scalable it becomes, right? And simplicity is the key to our success at Parker & Sons. It's our success at Wrench. Uh, Ken has a very simplistic way of looking at business. Not, we're not saying Ken's simple, by the way. Yeah, well, no. But, but it is about like how simple can you make something because if the more simple you make it, the better. If you get too complicated, like Rocky Road, then, then who knows what can happen? And can everyone make Rocky Road? And when you implement Rocky Road, it's going to taste different depending on who implements it, right? So the consistency, really, the more ingredients that you have in a formula or in a sales pitch or in anything, the, the less it uh, works normally. So is this a picture of me or? Oh, no, that looks like Biden. I actually can't tell the difference. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, so the key to the relatability is the simplicity and the diversification. So not only are these simple flavors, but we're talking about vanilla. Vanilla dominates the market. Man, I love Paul Kelly. You know, by the way, Paul Kelly and Josh Kelly are both great dancers, but 
these guys know how to break dance. Like that's pretty cool. So beyond, uh, you know, the fact that Paul Kelly built this amazing company, Parker and Sons, dude can break dance and he's just got the jokes. So he also has a book out to check it out. Uh, this next clip is coming from my buddy, uh, Tommy Mello, Thomas Mello. Um, I'm sure you've heard the name before, but, and this one probably won't be as exciting for some of you, but it should be because some of you are probably lacking this particular thing. And by the way, maybe you're not lacking it. Maybe you just need to get dialed in, but these are the things, especially some of us who have ADHD, who have a hard time focusing, like really have to get dialed into your business. And maybe that's what this year is about for you. Maybe it's about, Hey, I'm going to continue to do as good as I can. Um, and control the things that I can and not focus so much on implementing something new or trying to get too crazy with you know, marketing in some place different. Like uh, maybe all you need to do is a little bit of blocking and tackling as best as you possibly can. And Tommy shares exactly what he does and his theory on it on this clip. Enjoy. Today I was on the phone with Dale Steele for yep. 40 minutes talking yep. about process in which you do a turnover service to sales. And dude, I, I literally, I preface each video. I make a video each week for every market to watch at the same time, a Thursday morning. And it's always 20 minutes. This one went 35 minutes. And I said, guys, when you watch this video, just know one thing, your life's about to change your income, your opportunity, your family life, your vacations, you're going to have rental homes, we apply this and we've got the infrastructure. So everybody's like, share with me what Dale said, but it works for our company because we built it like that. And we've got all the right people in the sales side. We call it virtual product specialists that handle the sales side and they're experts. But these things are incredible. I create a video every week at systems. I literally, every manager knows to report to me, their top performer, re goes through them and picks one that I'm going to interview. This is all systematized. Everything I do has a system and a function and a standard operating procedure because a guy like me with ADHD without systems and boundaries and to know where my, where I live, then I I'm useless. Yeah. I'm useless to everybody yeah. because I got a lot of ideas and I'm off and I'm like, what do I do? I don't know. I'm over. I'm confused. There's just too much. Where do I start? But I know exactly. And you said I hired great people. Well, guess what? I'm putting out social media content right now, official Tommy Mello, TikTok and Instagram. And I'm going to be shooting 50 awesome videos a day. And I'm actually going after influencer marketing. I'm going to be hanging out with Gary Vee and, you know, your guy, your guy's Gary Vee, Grant right. Cardone. I want I want Donald Trump time. And the deal is, is people, Dan Miller asked me at dinner last night, he goes, well, what's your goal in four years, five years, when, when we really do another great opportunity with A1? I said, man, I want to give back what you just said, that letter. I get those letters all the time. I, you saved my marriage. My, I'm, I get to spend Sundays now with my kids and go to church, whatever it looks like. I want a 10 X what I could give because it always comes full circle. I, right. I want nothing in return, but it always feels like there's something that happens. Hey man, I'm just looking out for you, Tommy, because you've done this for me. I found an opportunity for you. This guy needs this guy's doing custom garage doors and he does a hundred a month. You're his guy. I already talked to you about him. That just falls in your lap when you give, but I don't yeah. want anything in return, but it happens. Tommy always bringing the fire all about systems and processes. And you hear Goodrich talk about that too. You hear like a lot of the most successful people talk about how they have systems and processes and they continue to tweak them over and over and over again, but it's the uh, guardrails that keep them in line. So this next episode, you know, to be a little bit different is, or this next clip is around, well, if you are going to do something different, well, what is it? Listen, like 
branding is going to, is so incredibly important, right? And, and if your branding isn't very, you don't have a good brand equity, like you need to focus on that. How can you continue to build your brand this year? And so this next clip with uh, uh, Tall Paul uh, was talking about how, you know, he uses and how others have used, you know, contractor commerce and the filters to continuously put the brand in your face. Like it's not about the filter, it's about the brand. Like how can you continuously make sure that your company name is in the face of people even when they don't need you and it's not abrasive. I'm a fan of that, by the way. So, you know, what else can you do if you decide to do something outside of just the normal blocking and tackling um, and you want to try something new? What is it, SmartAC? Is it, um, you know, or SmartAC.com? Is it, you know, is it adding the filter process to your life? What is it? Whatever it is, um, I think that Tall Paul gives some really good advice here on uh, on how you can go about trying something new that's very, very low risk but good for your brand. So I'll get an email from Lou that says, don't forget to change your filter. Our records indicate that you have an X6672 and it needs to be changed every six months. Do you need to update your subscription? Let us know. And I get filter change reminders, top of mind, every yeah. single quarter. I have a bigger you know, media filter. So, That's cool. um, And then I always I'll get the delivery. I see, I see Hobike on my credit card statement. And every time like I, I'll text Lou and I'm like, thank you so much for your shipping things out to me. And it's like, it actually feels like he's shipping them. So yeah. no, nobody, let's be honest. Nobody really gives a, a shit about the filter in itself. Like it's the filter. Nobody cares about. It's the, it's the, it's the top of mind awareness that comes with it over it's and the over and over. Play. So, so that's what, and that's the play. That is what matters. And here's, yeah, it's what matters. And, and the big PE companies are, they get it. And like, they're like, we don't even want to charge the customer. We just want to put our brand in front of that doorstep once a quarter because brand recall and brand recognition and what Lou calls customer cheating happens. If you serve, there's a survey called the American Home Comfort Study. And I talk about this all the time, but they do it every two years. And there's all sorts of different findings. But one of the key findings that comes out every year is homeowners who made a major purchase for HVAC, $1,500 or more. It's like 70% can't tell you the name of the company. They just don't remember because they move on. And so you got to put your brand in front of them on and on and on. And yeah, and I could talk more about filters, but. But nobody gives a shit. But it's, so, it's, it's, it again, I say that like jokingly, but it's about the experience, dude. That's it's what, about and, the experience. And it's the brand play. Like that is the thing. Yeah. It's just like nobody wants to have to call a heating dude, and air conditioning company in the first place. I, I'm going to push back on the filter thing. Um, and oh, about what? About the I don't give a S word. Okay. There's kids watching and. You know my mom's watching and oh your mom's watching because I'm here. Tall Paul got super soft. Here's on the us. thing. Here's the thing about filters. We're going to talk about TAM, total addressable market. Sounds like really interesting. I can't you wait to You know hear all about, about total addressable market. So can't wait. Let's say you you, you got to impress me right now. Okay, let's do. Um, we're going to do Plano, Texas. You live in Plano, Texas. There's that's five, not that's not impressive. There, you, okay, the there's five hundred thousand people in Plano. There's another a million next to that in Allen. There's like two million people in this area. Okay. One percent of the markets in the in the market for a changeout, right? They're going online, they're shopping, they're calling a local contractor. Some might be on a maintenance plan, some might have a guy, but for the most part, they're scrambling. Yep, calling Rhino customers, sure. Eighty <laughs> percent of the market, like the, the if if you look at that, that's the smallest part of the total addressable market. Almost all of the market needs air filters, and here's the part that that um, needs to be deconstructed in the industry. Every single contractor listening to this, anyone who's grown up in all of the different uh, air times and one hours and next stars and success groups. And I don't care what program you're in it, with the exception of some new modern thinking, everyone would agree. Maintenance contracts are important. Why? Because it keeps you in front of your customer. It helps you build that brand loyalty and you go out there and you can diagnose things and yada, yada, yada. Everybody yeah. build, because it, it makes total home. sense. That's an even, that, that is 
you know, bigger than the addressable market for the change out market. But the biggest part of the market is filters. Everybody buys filters and nobody buys them from contractors. There's no loyalty. There's no loyalty. Buying, right? So you have this opportunity to go into a, a contractor. And again, I'm biased, but go into a homeowner and build that commercial relationship where you're hitting their credit card, you're hitting the inbox you're, and then you can work your way in and be there and have an opportunity if and when they have a system that needs to be replaced, it's about loyalty. And then the operational side, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna rant here for a minute, just about pure play operational filter stuff. There are contractors listening to this today. It's kind of two schools of thought. One, some some contractors have completely given up on filters. Sorry, we don't do that. You gotta get them somewhere else. That's, that's fine. I think they should capture that business back, but whatever. There are contractors who provide filters for their customers. And what that process looks like, it looks like buying them from a local distributor, cutting a PO, getting them shipped, getting them delivered, coming in, sitting on your warehouse, loading them up on a truck. And then the likelihood that that truck, I'm speaking of people with scale, 10 or more trucks, the likelihood that that truck has just the right amount of inventory to get to the customer's house and get to the right customers, assuming you're not rerouting people. Sorry. Um, it's very, very low. So here's how our customers are doing. We've got one, um, gosh, let me think. Oh, McAfee heating, you know, Greg McAfee has been on the podcast. This guy's a stud. So the way he does it is, and this is all public information because it's on his website. He has customers that are in his Omega plan, which is where they pay them for membership. They, they, it's a membership club that includes filters. Okay. So when he goes out and runs a club membership, he carries the filters out with them. Now what he does is once a week, once a month, I I forget the the frequency. He'll look at all his upcoming membership, um, you know, uh, calls coming up for a two week period of time. He'll press one button within his website and drop ship 300 orders for filters to those customers. So the technician doesn't have to screw around with them. Technician gets there. The box is there. McAfee filters. Boom. They put them in. So again, um, I'll, I'll get down off my filter high horse. Good but I would grief, say, man. I just, it's such a, yeah, such an you, opportunity. Smartac.com. Smartac.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. Smartac.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Okay, so on the same topic of uh, bringing clips to you for things that are in your control, reviews are, 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 are in your control. Not not saying like people who leave your review, well, that's kind of in your control too, but like um, going and getting new reviews or responding to reviews that might not be uh, a good, you know, um, taking uh, taking advantage of the opportunity to maybe explain yourself or just to respond, you know. Um, but this next clip is from uh, from Zach from Liftify, who's been a great strategic partner of ours at Rhino and helped a lot, a lot of customers of ours, a lot of contractors with the review process. So uh, enjoy this clip from Zach and he can give you some good takeaways on exactly what you can do to make the make the most of it. Since we kind of talked about this, like you, um, something that, that, that I hear often too is around like trolls, right? Trolls. And then the people who are going around also leaving, ne- they're just assholes and they leave negative reviews or they're not assholes. They're just actually paid to leave those negative reviews. Like this is something that happens so frequently. Um, and it's frustrating because it's not easy to get those things fixed. Um, we have some solutions to help get those things fixed, but like, how do you handle, like, how would you give our listeners, like, what should they do to handle trolls? Like what's some advice that you can give them? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give them three specific actions. I would immediately respond publicly 
to that review, meaning respond to the review and just say, hey, I don't see you in our database. You know, this isn't an actual job that we did um, because potential readers will uh, almost discredit it right then. Right. And so then it's not actually really hurting your business from a consumer standpoint. So I would respond. You can do that right away. That's in your control. Um, I think secondly, you can also report that to Google or use a tool that can try to get that removed. Like you said, Chris, that's hard to do and time consuming and you can't always do it and, and it's out of your control. Um, and But I would recommend it, if, especially for fake reviews that you see that are just not real. Um, you can re re report those and try to get those off. Um, but third and most importantly, and this is where businesses don't take this step, is you need to play offense and you need to maximize the reviews you're actually getting. You know, get reviews from all of your positive customers, your happy customers. Most businesses we come into, 95% of their customers or more are not leaving them reviews. And most of those experiences are five stars. And so the best thing you can do is just play offense, go get reviews from your happy customers and tell your community how good your company actually is. Okay, cool. So uh, you see like reviews are always going to be an ongoing thing that you have to pay close attention to. And again, like some of these things are within your control. The next one also is is something that um, is in your control, kind kind of, because if you're using an answering service, whether it's for, uh, you know, during the day, if it's after hours, if it's for overflow, for whatever, um, though you're not directly in control because you're not the one answering the phone, you're in control of who you use and you're in control of uh, holding them accountable for their performance. Um, and that's going to be a big player this year. Like that's a major factor. Um, and we've been pushing that narrative too, because it is something that you can't, and there are, there are options. And so the next clip is from Nexa. That's who we've been using at, at Rhino. Um, it's a lot of who some of the big players are using too for uh, inbound and outbound successfully. So finally, we've got a really good option that you can use. So it's not just, you know, find the crappiest company that's out there and just hope to God that they do a good job. There's actually a good option now, and that option is called Nexa. And so David Lord, who's the uh, who, who's the, the leader over at Nexa in this episode, shares some things you need to pay close attention to, like, have you been tracking the lifetime value of your customer, like truly tracking that? And how are you handling calls when they call you back? Like, there's a cool, lot of cool things he talks about in a short clip. So enjoy this one from David Lord at Nexa. So that's the way I view this thing is we need more, we need to get in the house as frequently as possible. If it costs me a thousand, I'm just throwing out a random number, a thousand dollars a month more, $2,000 a month more, whatever it is to get into more homes and more opportunities, bring it, especially right now, because every opportunity counts. So another thing that I want to, I want to shift gears to, unless you had any comment you wanted to make I, on that. I'd make a couple, a, a quick comment on that. Okay. I think you're right on, right? I mean, there's two things, right? You look at the value, the average lifetime value of a client, right? And the average client, uh, you know, the average person, 85% of people aren't going to call a second time. So you're going to lose that lifetime revenue. You, you know, you have the booking to acquire, which we've been talking about, which is, Hey, get them booked. I get a new customer, HVAC customers set 50, $75,000 of lifetime value. I've also got to keep that client. So if, if I get a call from a member and I don't answer the phone, 85% aren't going to call back and you just lost that life. That lifetime value came down, right? So it's a, it's an acquisition and a retention play. And to your point for the cost of a client, um, you know, a year you're paying, you know, you know, it's, it's the, the, the return on investment, the improvement in ROAS or return on ad spend. It, it's, it's an, it's really is a no brainer, but we have to do our job. Right. And, and that's what we're focused on. So. Yeah. And I think I, one thing I love the most too, is just, again, kind of coming back to this quality assurance deal is just the, the volume of attention that you put on QA um, and constantly trying to be better and chipping away at a percent 
on those things makes a big difference. Um, we, but, we look at that. And I think you and I have talked about this. I mean, we literally, every Tuesday we go through quality numbers. We have a Friday sync on all the agents. What are the issues, right? We have zero tolerance, um, you know, disqualifiers for, for, uh, specialists. And, and I think we've been so transparent with that and invested so much in training that those very rarely come up, right? Like, like a bad call is like, there was some dead airtime, you know, there was maybe not as much interaction as we'd like, but it's not like negative experiences losing a client, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not, that's not happening. I get a lot of calls from, from our clients saying, Hey, I'm really, I apologize for my customer and the way they treated your agent. Kudos to your agent for doing such a great job just <laughs> with the empathy there. Cause I would have <laughs> lost it. Right. And so that's nice to hear. Yeah, that's good to hear. And I think two years ago, if I look back at old QA, you were talking about years ago, if I look at the old data, we got a lot of like, I couldn't understand the the person on the phone. Right. And that was the biggest complaint and reason people weren't wanting to deal with us. Right. They were not no empathy. I couldn't understand them. And and we don't, we don't hardly, I I haven't seen that in a long time. So that's, that's great news. That's step one. Yeah. Ooh, this is going to be a good one. Uh, So this is actually one from 2020, our very first Rhino X when um, I was still in partnership with Gary Vaynerchuk and he came in and spent like, you know, four hours with us uh, for the evening session of Rhino X. And, um, and when he was doing his Q and a Leland Smith took the microphone and asked a really thoughtful question. And Gary's response uh, still rings so true today. And I've heard him say this, you know, multiple times, but it, it is true. So, um, man, I love whenever Leland Smith asks questions. He's still one of my, one of my favorite guys, but enjoy this clip with Gary Vaynerchuk and Leland Smith from service champions. All right, Mr. Leland Smith. I'm a little slow. So, um, hey, I, lo- I love what you just said. Thank you, sir. Dominate. Uh, you might've used a different word. TV. I like, I like dominate, dominate TV and newspaper. Yes. Explain that in detail. Me. I will. For, for an heating and air conditioning company. Yes. My thought is thinking I'm going to flood the cash and own it. Is that what you're talking about? Or is there a different way? There's a different way. Keep the mic Leland because I want to go back and forth because the sure. context matters. So for me, I think of everything as the cost of attention against it. So for example, the number one best ad in the world, one man's humble opinion, who has got a good track record and spends billions of dollars in advertising for big companies, is the Super Bowl. Yep. If you can afford $13 million to run a Super Bowl spot and you have a national business, there's nothing even close. No, all my favorite digital shit that I pray to the religion of doesn't come close because you get half of America consuming it and you're in the game. Right. After that, Leland, here are the things at scale. Let's talk about Facebook ads. Actually, let's do this. Facebook ads. Who here, by show of hands, is happy with the way their Facebook ad program is going? Let's start with that. Raise your hand. (laughs) Good. So this is really good. I'll tell you why this is exciting to me. So first of all, I appreciate the candor and the, you know, thank you. That to me has my spidey senses shitting its pants. I'm like, this group should be spending an ungodly amount of money on Facebook because 39 to 72 year olds make a ton of decisions on what they use in your world on Facebook. What it means is the following. A, you've done some Facebook, but because it's branding and sales, not just sales like Google, you didn't like how the math looked and you doubled down on Google and you didn't understand that it was your videos and pictures that sucked, not Facebook. <laughs> like for example, right? Like, but, but here's an important point. 
a basketball's ROI for LeBron James is gonna end up being billions of dollars. For me, it's negative $4,000 because I've had two surgeries on my knees. The tool's not fucked up, you're fucked up. (laughs) So when I hear that no Facebook hands in this group, it gets me going, Leland, because I'm like, fuck, that's huge. There's some real money on the table for this group. Because what right now they're doing is they're paying a toll booth called Google to get intent leads, which were great when I did it for my daddy's wine shop in 2000, but is now a very different price point with the things that I just referenced looming. So what I think about is is that, so LinkedIn is fucking out of control. If any of you were doing, if any of you were courting residential developers to get bulk business instead of a one-off, you should be living on LinkedIn. And by the way, when I really talk to real business owners in settings like this, Understand the follow-up of this is 15 hours of education. Like, I, I hope this to be a seed, but when you think about it, if 15 hours of you, and, I don't, and I'm not talking about you're gonna outsource it to your niece, or your, I want you to know it, because once you know it, Leland, it starts playing out in M&A, it starts right. playing out in SPAC, it, like, it goes big, big. So, what do I mean? I mean, in the coup days of you know, Eastern Europe and TV and print, in today's day, it's called social networks. Right. Right. So what I want everybody here to be is the best at Facebook, LinkedIn. There's a Google product where you can run pre-roll YouTube ads against what people searched on Google. What's good about that is when you get a lead from Google, you're getting it where your brand looks like blue letters. You're not building any brand. You're a sales whore. When you do it as a video on YouTube, it's your brand. Nike isn't getting my business because they caught me on a portal or I'm a good SEO guy. Nike's getting my business because they built a brand. And yours, and yours, right? And yours, right? And so I just think that there's so much money to be made because what's crazy, Leland, is this. The cost of direct mail, outdoor billboards, radio, print, a sales team, versus, and I'm talking perfect execution there, versus perfect execution on LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, that world, it's not even a fair fight. Wow. This is 10, 20, 50, 100x that. And then more importantly, because there's some big boys and girls in this room, when you understand that machine, because this is the machine that has changed our entire globe, the American, Russian, Indian, like the world right now has a rise in nationalism because of social networks. This is changing everything. So that's what I'm referring to. I want to get everybody here great at making the pictures and the videos and running the media against those that creates hyperscale. Procter & Gamble's a big client of mine. Right. Olay, very big brand, publicly announced that they no longer were gonna sell direct to consumer and they were only gonna sell on Amazon because they can't figure it out. I, of course, saw an opportunity that was exciting for me. I met the main dude, talked to him, I said, give me one at bat at it. It's now, we just won Gillette's business, which is in the same family. Like, I think people don't understand there's different levels of being good at something. I love when I meet business people like, Gary, I have a marketing agency, What? you're 10 times more expensive. I'm like, yes, and you have an HVAC company, and so does my friend Don, and his does 180,000 a year. There's different levels of being good at this shit. Right. 
this is the most important game in the world. Man, all these years later, Gary Vee still got it. I mean, the Super Bowl commercial will be cool. I mean, 13, 13 mil. I wonder what it is today, but, um, but you know, it's, you know, how, how do you get the most attention? You know, sometimes that, getting that attention um, can cost a lot, but I mean, listen, I wish I could run a Super Bowl ad. Maybe one day I will. Um, so instead what we did was we just created our own little Super Bowl ad at Rhino and then put it on our YouTube channel. So that was a nice supplement. <laughs> um, anyhow, I uh, always love whenever uh, I have get, get time with, with Gary. Um, this next clip though is uh, someone, you know, a plumber who took really good advantage of also using video. And, and not overthinking it like a lot of us do. Like, you know, okay, here we go. Here's Chris talking about, you know, how do I going to record video? Like, I got to hire somebody to do that. I got to get a fancy camera. I got to do this. No, we still overthink how you can use video and be effective with it. So uh, this next, you know, guest was Roger uh, Wakefield, and he was talking about how he used it to build his plumbing business too. He's like, if you go to YouTube and search for plumber, he's like the name, number one guy that pops up doing DIY videos, things that you do every single day, whether you're in HVAC, plumbing, pest control, roofing, doesn't matter. Um, it is easy to record videos when you stop overthinking it and it can help your business making you the subject matter expert. It's basically you can use your personal brand to help build a business. So here's some really great tips on how you could do that easily. Um, that's 100% in your control this year that doesn't have to cost you a lot of money to, to do it. So uh, enjoy this, this episode, this clip, excuse me, from uh, Roger Wakefield. Chris, you know, one, one of the things that I studied you know, over this month and learning is the best videos to make are the ones where people are calling you. People call your office and say, hey, I've got water dripping outside my window. Is, is that my plumbing system or what? No, sir, that, that's, your, that's your overflow on your condensate drain. That means your main stopped up. Boom, boom, boom. Make a video about that. Now when people call the office, now your CSR can say, hey, you know what? We've got an amazing video where Chris actually explains that to people. Uh, if you'll give me your email address and your cell phone number, I'll send you links to it. And now they can send it. Well, if this person doesn't call back in 30 minutes, now she can call them back and say, hey, just checking. Did you get to see Chris's video? Well, you're doing two things there. You're letting them know you're a brand authority because you are now a trusted advisor. They're talking to you one-on-one. -on -one. You've made a video explaining what the problem is, what you do to fix it, how you fix it. Boom, boom, boom. And we just started looking at, okay, what kind of questions do we get asked every week? Let's start making those videos. And man, it, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And people will say, and I'm sure you've heard this before, um, but Roger, like, why are you going to give this video to them? And if them, you know, that way they can fix it themselves instead of hiring you. I mean, I, so I bet you, I know the answer. You bet. Uh, <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. But here, 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 well, think about this, Chris. I'm in the Dallas area. What, what are the, there's probably, I'm going to say 5 million people in the Dallas area. I can't get to every one of them. I promise. But if I can teach you how to change your flapper, if I can teach you how to shut the water off at your house in case you have an emergency, if I can teach you to adjust the temperature on your water heater, I probably can't teach you how to fix a slab leak under your house, but I can show you that I do it. I can explain to you that I'm not the cheapest plumber in town because I use the best materials. I have the best guys. We guarantee our work. So if I've taught you how to do these other things and now you come to me to get me to show you this and you're like, dude, I can't do that. Who do you think you're going to call? 
Yeah, because now you're not only are you your trusted advisor, but you bet. but you've been giving and giving and giving on these DIY videos, and that right there is a you've already started to build the relationship with them. Okay. So when the bigger thing happens, they can't fix. They go, they call you. And, and, and Chris, it doesn't matter where they're at. And think about this: this is what helps me locally, because you know I was I was a small plumbing company. We got up to a million bucks a year, and 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 did it very very good. But my competition was doing eighty and a hundred million a year. So you would think, or you would know for a fact, they're spending a lot more money on Google than I am. But due to the domain authority I had, because I did not push people to my website, I did not push them to call me. But there was always a banner over my shoulder. Later, we changed it to where there's signages, there, there, there's moving screens like this. But people always knew where to find me. So even if they were in North Carolina and they're seeing me, they'd go to my website to look at it. They may even call and say, hey, will Roger come to North Carolina? Yeah, he will. But you you may not want to pay that bill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, be honest with them. It's a long, that's a long flight. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Our drive time, it's going to add up on it's this gonna one. It's going to be real you. big. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a big one. But, but you know what? But. With all these people going to my website, me doing a millionaire, my, my, my biggest competition doing 80 and 100 millionaire, I remember my website guy sends me a screenshot one day, Dallas, Texas plumbing search word, organically, I'm above both of them. You, you, you can't lose doing stuff like that. Well, thank you for that, Roger Wakefield. Okay, this next one, another one that's completely in your control that's been ignored for years, or it's getting better, I think, but is paying attention to your CSRs and their performance. So at its basic form, something to help you, even if you've only got one person answering the phone, what can you do to make sure that they're doing their job? Well, you're like, yeah, Chris, that's easy. I just listened to the call. Um, yeah, are you doing that? Probably not. Um, it takes somebody to listen to that call. And guess what? It can't be the person who's taking the call. That's... That's <laughs> called a monopoly and they would uh, probably not give themselves low scores. Um, but there are some simple things that you can do to make sure that your CSRs are functioning. Um, obviously, uh, if you need CSR coaching, you know, we have traction that we've rolled out. Um, it's been very, very helpful. You guys heard on a previous episode. And that's who this clip is from is Liz, who leads that for us. Um, and she just shares some of the key like KPIs that if nothing else, you need to pay attention to this to help make you better with your phone, with answering your phones. Yeah, you got to be able to have the, you know, the right positive attitude. And I think if you have the right positive attitude, then naturally like you're kind of in a good mood and like that comes across, you know, and people are excited and they want to do business with things like that. So, um, but there's also like some actual things that you have to, you know, to do, right. To, to keep your job, to, you know, to be able to manage them, to be better. So, you know, in pure rhino fashion, you know, we make sure we track everything from every lead what was a legit new customer? What was the cost per lead? What's the booking rate on that new lead? And how did the contractor perform on it? What's the revenue attached to it? all the things, right? Because metrics, you know, what gets what gets measured gets managed. So what are some of the key metrics or KPIs, whatever you want to call it, that these contractors should be looking for to measure the success of their CSRs? 
Yeah, the first KPI that I would be focusing on is their booking rate. I think that that's very telling as to how things are going. Uh, the rate, however, is greatly influenced by how your agents are categorizing their calls. So firstly, you'll want to make sure that those are being categorized correctly and that that's accurate. An industry standard, it varies a lot, but I would say a mid-80s number is a pretty solid number. So if you're mid-80% in your booking rate, that's pretty solid. I work pretty hard hard to get that above 90. Um, if you're pulling in much below that 80, 85%, there's some great opportunity for improvement there. Another KPI is your call handle time. Something here you'll want to look out for is if your queue time is counted in that handle time. So if you see it's a six minute call, but that customer was really waiting in queue for two minutes, you'll just want to be making sure that number, those numbers are accurate. We do look for about a four to six minute handle time for that call. And that really just shows efficiency. The customer doesn't want to be on the phone with you for a long time, but that's a great amount of time to really give them an experience, really connect with them, get the job done, get the job booked, and be able to move on to the next customer uh, in, in an efficient way while still giving an amazing customer service experience. If it's much higher than that, we'll look into efficiency. And if it's much lower, we're going to be looking into quality. So th that's where your magic will be, that four to six minute amount. Another KPI I get asked a lot about is how many calls they should be taking each day. This is interesting to track because it's all going to depend on how busy you are in your center, how consistently are your calls coming through, how staffed are you. So the way I like to explain this one is if you, if every CSR in your group is getting calls constantly, so there's no wait time, there's no waiting around for the next customer to call in, you should be hitting around 50 to 60 calls a day. Uh, if they're waiting around, then that's a great opportunity for getting some outbounds in there as well. But 50 to 60 is a good amount uh, that they should be reaching for and pretty typical for a busy day. Uh, the last KPI I want to talk about is really what's going to show you the health of your company. And this is your customer return rate. This is what's telling you that the experiences you're providing are bringing your customers back to you again and again and again. And in the industry, we've found that 30 to 40% is pretty decent. Um, I would love to see that above 50%. And using your memberships, any kind of service contracts or memberships you have can really help increase those numbers and even get you into the 60%. But the more time you spend getting your customers to come back, the less you have to spend trying to get those new customers in. Thank you, Liz. Yeah, she is awesome, man. The things that she's done with We Care uh, over in California and with Any Hour, and like even now the others we've been bringing on board. You know, it's kind of it's been it's been fun to watch what she's able to do with some of these monster companies and their and their you know just changing a few percent uh, increase in book calls has resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's what you're looking for. Like that's taking care of things in house, like just, you know, minding your P's and Q's. Um, this last one is really cool. This was from Rhino X uh, in 2023 as well. And it was with Howard Bihar. So if you don't know who Howard Bihar is like Howard Schultz started Starbucks and built it to like a certain number, but the guy that really took it and blew it up was Howard Bihar. And he came in and did a keynote. And, uh, and this is again, one thing that I think that you should absolutely do with your business this year. We do it at Rhino. A lot of the biggest players I know, like even my peer groups, they all do these things. They listen to their employees. Uh, they listen to their feedback. They take their feedback, like truly listen, like the Keith Mercurio clip, like they, they listen to, uh, you know, they, they intentionally are listening to what they're saying and, and um, 
and trying to figure out, is that something that's legit or valid for your business or not? But you want to give them that platform to share feedback about what they think could make the business better or what they think maybe is hurting the business. Um, and so Howard Bihar, like, is a big advocate of that. You know, he talks about a story where the janitor, you know, wanted to, to get a, a bigger broom instead of the uh, standard issued broom. And it was so that way he, the, the, the janitor could sweep the floor faster. He became more efficient because the broom was bigger. Um, and so though it sounded silly, you know, to like, no, just use the standard one. There was some reasoning behind it. So that's just an example, but you know, the whole, this whole clip is around, man, listen to your staff. Like a lot of times they'll tell you things that, you, you know, or blind spots just, and not because you do, you're not smart enough to figure it out. It's just maybe you're focusing on something different. So, uh, enjoy this clip with the former president of Starbucks, Howard Bihar. But that's the way you grow your business. And that builds to the culture of the company. When you're willing to try things, make mistakes, right? And forgive people for the mistakes and you're willing to go out on a limb sometimes. You know, I wasn't, I'm not pleading for anarchy here. You can't do everything. But, you know, you can't just roll your eyes when somebody has an idea. Maybe you can't talk about it then, but you can talk about it later. And you'd be surprised what your people know about your business. Who know, there's nobody at Starbucks that knows more about what our, the people we're serving want than, than the baristas and the store managers. Nobody. But yet everybody at the support, what we call the support center, thinks they do. And, but they don't. And so all we have to do is listen. And they'll tell us what we need to do. Yeah, and isn't that something that you guys continue to implement? Like a lot of the new products yeah. or drinks came yeah. from the actual baristas or yeah. the st- stores? Yeah, and is that that's like an ongoing thing? That's- Always endless. It's endless. As you know, we had we had four rules: don't do anything legal, don't do anything immoral, don't do anything unethical, and don't poison anybody. And if it, if you could live within those four rules, then we'd try it. And we did, and we made a lot of mistakes. A bottled frappuccino came from a huge failure in a product called Mazagran, which was a bottled Coca Cola. We'd spent $5 million on research thinking this was going to be the blowout success. It was a joint venture with Pepsi-Cola. Within three months, it was dead. But we went on, tried the next thing, the next thing, and that's what we do. It's a never-ending cycle of experimentation and trying new things. So because you have... Like you have this culture where people can come in and make the suggestions for you, then you clearly went and fought for that person. That yeah. sure that spread, and it became... yeah. A what billion dollar? Four billion. Four billion dollar. That's a an extreme example, but yeah. it was. It's part of what allows the culture to be, to yeah. do is you you fought, you, you pushed back, you you gave it a try, you yeah. believed it, you fought for it, yeah. and it was successful. You got to be breeds. telling to break. The, sometimes as leaders, you got to be take take the risk. You got to be willing to break your own rules and things that are the service of the organization. So have you, I mean, what I, what I try to wrap my head around is when you came in and there's 28 stores and it was 1989, right? Did this exist at Starbucks before you came in there? Like, so you, so, but 28 locations, where, where are all those 20, where were those 28 locations roughly? They're all the, basically Seattle. Pacific Northwest. A few in Chicago and a few in Vancouver, British Columbia. So enough stores where they had already had a culture in place did you have to then change that culture? Yes. So 
I had, How to convince, does that... I had to convince people that we weren't in the coffee business. That was not easy. We, you know, like all entrepreneurial organizations, you know, you, you, whatever you're doing, you you decide, you, you leave a company and you're a service tech and what some other company said, I'm going to open my own plumbing shop. Right? And you think you're in the plumbing business, but you're not. The minute you hire one person, you're, now you're in the people business. Right? Because that's the only way you're going to grow is with the people that you hire. It's the only way. There's no other path. Right? Unless you're a single person that's going to put in toilets yourself. You know, or whatever you do yourself. But you're not going to get very big if it's only you, right? And so it's, you're in the people business. And so that's what I had to convince everybody. That, that we weren't in the coffee business. Didn't mean that coffee wasn't important. Yeah, we sell coffee. But it wasn't the business that we're in. And, you know, if we attracted great people and those people attracted people like themselves, then we would grow. If we didn't do that, then we would falter. And, and it was so obvious. You know, if we had the right store manager in the right store, there could be a 20, 20 to 40% difference between a, a, a good store manager and a bad store manager. We could take a store that wasn't doing well and put a really good store manager into that store manager and almost within the first three months that store manager would lift sales by 20%. Nothing else would change. It's the same location, the same customer base coming in. And it almost became a rule. You know, we would try to help our people. We couldn't fire everybody where the volume wasn't what we thought it should be. We tried to coach them and help them. But eventually, if they couldn't get it, we had to make a change. And that was holding each other accountable. You know, and we did that. And it was almost a rule that if you made that change, you got the right person in the right spot, they would automatically lift the business. I'll give you an example. So we... We opened in Singapore, and I made a we did everything through joint venture partners in international. So I put a joint venture together with a, a local Singaporean, and I made a huge mistake. I bet on his resources, his uh, real estate resources, his economic resources, and he had some experience in the fast food business in Burger King. But I didn't realize he was a bad guy. He wasn't a people guy. I didn't get that. It just That's the thing I always prided myself on, that I would recognize those things. And I bet on the wrong thing. And that guy almost destroyed our business. And it took us eight years to get him out because we had a joint venture. And finally, we, got, we paid the price and we bought him out. We got him out. And we put our own people in. We put our own president of the organization. Within a year, we had lifted the business 60%. All we did was change the leadership. It's the people that count. It's always the people. It's not the product. You all sell the same Toto toilet, right? Probably half of you sell Lennox or whatever the brands are that you sell, right? So, you know, I can go buy that product in a zillion different places. I'm not buying that product. I'm buying you. Okay, there you go, listeners. Uh, that is... That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Um, and hopefully, you know, you go into this year again, and even some of these clips, the whole point of this is just to give you some ideas or, or, you know, at least get your creative juices flowing on things that you can do that you can control. And if you're going to go and try different things, some options for different things. 
um, to think outside the box. But it, again, if this year's just about blocking and tackling and, and, you know, um, really tightening the ship and, 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 and controlling all the things internally that you can and, and trying to help, you know, your CSRs or make sure your answering service is doing a good job or make sure their operations is tighter or get your processes and systems dialed in, like whatever it is, just please do something, right? That's how you'll survive through this year too. And now you shouldn't even use the word survive. You can, you can still thrive throughout this year. Um, just don't try and keep comparing this year to what it was, you know, two and three years ago. It's not fair to yourself and it's unrealistic. So stop doing that. Right. Um, if you just focus on working on your business internally, you'll just be fine. So, so hopefully this gave you some ideas on that. You know, I'm cheering for you. I mean, obviously, obviously you can always continue listening to the podcast too, because I'm always going to bring on people throughout this year, sharing the things that they're going through, the different you know steps that they've taken to get better, maybe some challenges that they've had, and then also, you know, giving you someone else uh, that you can reach out to, to help if need be. But, uh, you know, like I always say, you don't got to do everything. I'm going to give you a lot of clips. You don't got to do everything, but you got to do something. No, zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, Here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.